Today on How I Scale My Team, we have got the amazing Israeli ecosystem Saleb Arbel Zinger, VP of Product Management at Lytrix, and to whom his name might sound familiar, he is the co-founder of Hi-Tech Problems Community. Welcome, Arbel. We are really happy to have you here. Happy to join. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get into this current role of yours? So I've been in product management for around 10 years. Um, started from, you know, A200, computer science degree, a developer in my heritage, uh, worked as a backend developer for a while. My first product management job was in a company that everyone knows about now uh, named NSO Group, Beep. <laughs> uh, uh, which uh, is a, a business to government company creating surveillance tools for governments, right? And after that, I went and worked in Microsoft in Israel and I led a like a security suite, let's call that. And there's a bunch of different security products. And when businesses buy them, they don't just buy one. It's like you don't buy Word, right? You buy Office. Uh, so I was uh, the product management in the suite. And I moved from there to Google, worked on two different products. One of them is crisis response. So what happens in a fire? What happens in an earthquake? What happens in a global pandemic, right? Oh, wow. And, and the other one was job seeking through Google. Like when you search for uh, jobs near me or uh, product manager jobs in New York, uh, you get this really nice uh, feature in search. Uh, I'll push everyone to look for that, right? It's everyone looks for a job all the time. Uh, and then almost two years into Google, um, a year into the pandemic, uh, I got an interesting offer from Lightrix to join and uh, serve as a VP product there. And... Uh, I know Lightrix for a while, and both the founders are good. some of them are good friends of mine. The VP marketing is my partner in life, pretty much, right? Uh, from high tech problems, Iran, best friends since we're like first grade. And, and it was a really good chance for me to go and work in Jerusalem, even though I'm a very like Tel Avivian in my character. I don't like to go out of the city and like hybrid work and all of these good things that we got through the pandemic uh, kind of made it possible. So that's that. Hold on. There's a couple of things there. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, Lightrix is a very uh, interesting company. Um, tremendous growth over the last few years, so I'd love to hear about that. But before I ask you about Lightrix, um, my heritage early days, right, mm-hmm. uh, got acquired, what, three, four months ago, right? Yeah, they got a... Well, I, I'm not sure about the details, but Francisco Partners. Yep. Uh, VC, yeah. They got acquired. Yeah. Uh, but your career, I mean... Um, Pretty significant corporates, NSO, uh, Google, Microsoft, large companies, cross-oriented. Yeah, well, well, NSO started as a startup as well. Uh, yeah, but selling when to I government, joined, so it's, it's, it's kind of a... Um, yeah, I mean, I guess when I joined, there were like 30 people. Okay. So it's a <laughs> so small company, early right? <laughs> Got it. Um, and then you're moving from corporates into, you know, high growth, um, mm-hmm. startup mentality. Can you share a bit how that experience is going? And you're working remote. Um, in a Jerusalem-oriented company. I mean, there's, I think each of these can make its own podcast. Yeah, so there's a lot of challenges there. First of all, there's the language, right? So you got to start talking performance marketing and kind of learn what are metrics for performance marketing and ROAS and cohorts and all of those, you know, buzzwords that when you work in B2B, they're significant but not as significant because I'm very, and, you know, you don't really talk about yourself, but I became really good in talking to customers, You know, going with the salespeople, sitting in the meeting there and kind of understand the conversation. And suddenly you don't really have those users, right? I had some experience in Google. You get there and suddenly you don't directly talk to them. And if so, you talk to like, you know, tens or hundreds if it's like a really big survey. But like you don't really get to meet all of your users or most of them one on one. 
So that was a big mind shift uh, for me. Uh, velocity obviously is a lot higher in Lightrix than corporates. Uh, we deliver every day. We do a lot of changes. We learn as we go, right? I mean, it's Lightrix is around for eight years for now, right? And we still shift a lot of stuff all the time because people, we're, we're hungry to kind of solve the problems that we have, like the opportunities we have in the creator's uh, ecosystem now and like the creator's economy is a big buzzword in the last year and so. So, so maybe I'll pause yeah. for a second because um, you know some of our listeners may, may not have heard of Lightrix ever before. They, they're probably using Lightrix in yeah. some capacity, but they don't know that it's coming from Lightrix. So maybe a bit of background about the company. What do you guys do? Yeah, sure. So as I said, Lightrix was founded like eight years ago by five friends. And all of them were PhDs or almost PhDs in computer vision, computer science, and they kind of had a chat about, hey, we can make a lot of money from that, right? <laughs> so the, the first app they created was uh, Facetune, which is, I guess, really known uh, and helps people uh, retouch and edit their photos. Look better on social media. That's one of the uh, use cases. Um, but our goal, like in the way I phrase it, is that we want to help every creative person to create. You started working there about 10 months ago, right? Something like that. Around, around 10, 10 months ago. Yeah. You know, during the pandemic, very dramatic um, times for all of us. Um, and how did it feel to actually start a new job, you know, living in Tel Aviv? The offices are in Jerusalem. How well, did it feel? What happened there? Well, it's not easy, right? Uh, even though the day of switching between Google and Lightrix seemed a bit surreal, right? Because I had the same desk and the same chair, and they just kind of switched the computer and screens. <laughs> That's crazy. And, like, <laughs> still use Gmail. Yeah, still use Gmail. It's, it was just instead of our ballot. Google, it was like a different email address. And that that's pretty much how it ha- started. And I was lucky. I, I knew a lot of people, right? So I kind of had the foot in the door uh, to kind of know about the company. I didn't start from scratch. And the good thing was I was able to meet a lot of people. I, I like to say everyone. It was probably not everyone. And in a short time, because you can really schedule those 15, 30 minutes calls one after the other. And I had a couple of weeks where I just had back-to-back meetings all day, which is something you can't really do in real life, right? It's This is like the good thing about having Zoom or uh, Meet or Teams. I want to check all of those. And then um, it, it really helped. So that was one. Um, it was a big challenge as well because when I joined, we actually had to re-strategize, right? Because the pandemic kind of changed everything. Um, for Lightrix, it was... Initially, I think like all of the market, it started as with a lower uh, metrics and then it all popped because everyone kind of found out, oh, okay, we're getting out of it and we're home and we got stuff to do. That is not just our day-to-day job. So we had to re-strategize, with, which was really interesting and kind of hit the ground running, I guess, uh, which is a good thing for me. And this is how I like to join a job. Kinda, let's get there. Let's figure out what we need to do. Start doing that. Uh, we already had a lot of PMs in the team, right? I joined an already established team. And so the challenge there was mainly understand what they do well, what I can help with and kind of improve them uh, or, you know, suggest. You, you never want to come and kind of make a lot of changes, you know that. Uh, so that's how my experience was. It's interesting. I mean, you joined the team and it's a different experience starting a new something new at a company and yeah. joining a company with, you know, pre-built team it's like this is what this is the delt you this is the hand you were dealt mm-hmm. now figure it out keep growing um you, you don't really choose your team at that point you got to make it work mm-hmm. with what you have um 
How was that experience for you? How many people are in the team, if you can share a bit about the team, the team structure? So let me answer both and think about how many people are, so I won't forget <laughs> anyone. Um, first of all, Lightrix is very good at kind of growing people inside internally. Uh, maybe too good, right? I like to joke about how Lightrix was built from people that Lightrix was their first job, and now they're like leading the company, right? Including the CEO, right? Which was an intern before that in like other companies. And... It's a pretty awesome thing because you get people starting as developers or designers and then kind of switching to product management if they want to. Uh, so most all of the PM that I had on my team started in Lightrix in a different job. So none of them had product management experience from another place. And there's around 12 to 14 PMs in Lightrix right now. And, and there's I also manage a, a group of user researchers and... Um, designers and a program management team as well so there's like a lot of people in the room and i think what happened is that we had understanding what happens in lightrix and execution nailed like the people there did it excellently they still do they know who to talk to they know what the processes are and they understand the product and they understand the users of the products really well and what we didn't really have is like more a methodology kind of standpoint because, you know, they kind of had to figure it all out. And then when I came in and a lot of other people as well, right, uh, from different companies, uh, we kind of brought this external knowledge or more industry knowledge, I think is the right name. So we kind of started shifting into more uh, how do you write a PRD, right, a product requirement document? Uh, and uh, how do you do a planning session? Or even just, you know, we started those guidance or training where we discussed with each other and did product review. And we started to bring all of those different processes, I guess, into the company. And I hired my first person pretty early as well. And again, because I thought it'll be a good thing to have this diversity in knowledge and kind of experience. And It's interesting, you know... Um You join a company, you're right, and you're coming mm -hmm. in from an outside in and you you have your perspective based on, you know, everyone has has their career. Um, you know, my personal experience was you, you join a company, you bring in um, a thought process that mm -hmm. you went through life. You know, you saw how good people get uh, mentored in organization, how they get raised, how they get criticized, who gets fired, how do you mm -hmm. fire? It's like you, you get all this experience and you then you bring it into your new location. Um, and you get into a new company and most of the people were – born and raised within the same yeah. ecosystem. Um, and it's very common, and the way you're describing it, these people are experts in everything to do within mm -hmm. whatever they did so far. Um, but they are very challenged in understanding what happens outside their own core users using the application because they're not even – they don't even realize they need to ask themselves what happens when my user is not using this feature mm -hmm. that I just created. And when someone like you comes over, um, that create conflicts, challenges. If people challenge you, why do we need to do this? Why, you know, it worked so far. A lot of times, mm -hmm. it's a successful company. Yeah, that, that's a really good point, right? Um, I mean, a lot of there's a really good uh, culture in Lightrix of uh, hard uh, opinions loosely held, right? And we all know what we want. And then when someone tells us something different that we agree with, we change our mind, which is I think is awesome. Um, and uh, I, we did get a lot of pushbacks. I still do, right? Um, One of the most common one was, hey, we build great tools. Why do something different, right? And it's a great question because we do build great tools and it really works, right? Why do we need something different? Then you come and you talk about the opportunity. There's such a big opportunity. We can't try and 
like miss out on it. And you know what? If it won't work, it's also fine because we had to try it. We had to go into this market. And I don't think there's a lot of challenge. I'm, I mean, we did. I, I don't want to use the word conflict, right? It's very like hard. But like there was a lot of discussion about what are we doing? Do we change how we do things? I'll give you an example. Uh, before I joined Lightrix, product managers, some of them managed engineers, which was a first time for me. I've been to a lot of companies. I never saw product managers managing engineers. I saw it vice versa, right? I saw product managers uh, reporting to the VP engineering, whatever, that, that, that I saw. And we had a really hard but important process of kind of make people understand what they want to do when they'll grow up, right? Do you want to be a product manager? Or do you want to be an engineering manager? And both are fine. And I was supporting whomever decided whatever they wanted. And, and I had a PM that decided he, wanted to be, he wants to be a, an engineering manager. And he's excellent at his job. And I was sad to see him go for my team, but I'm happy for him to stay in, the, in Lightrix and do the work. And he's, you know, I think it gave him a really added value doing that. And people had a hard time with that. You know, being a manager in Israel is still like, this is how you get promoted, right? You manage people, which I think corporate understand. It doesn't make sense anymore. And you got to give people an individual way of promoting themselves. Um, but, you know, it's hard. But most of the product managers decided they want to be product managers. And I told them what it means. And I told them, look, being a product manager, this is what you're in charge of. You're in charge of the problem side, like figuring out what are we going to do? How are we going to do that? We can help. But like, there's great engineers and designers that will help us solve it. But did, we need to find what your job is. Right? Did you get any pushback? Did people yeah, say sure. we don't want to be product managers anymore? Again, my previous company, I think I ended up, mm -hmm. I think 30% walked out when I kind of defined this is what product does in this company. So I think I joined and like, there was a lot of buildup before I joined about product management. Uh, so most people were really happy with the change. So we didn't really get like tough pushbacks. So we had people deciding they want to be engineering managers and that's fine, right? That's a good thing. Um, but I, I don't feel like there was a really hard pushback. People were pretty happy with the change. Uh, it's also the, a nice lesson, by the way. You know, there's a lot of mm -hmm. you know, times you say you're so worried about the change. You're so worried about the restructure. But then when it happens and, you know, it's all laid out, you say, okay, well, it makes a lot of sense. And mm -hmm. people like change. People like to be challenged. And, okay, let's go for it. You know, yeah. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think conveying to everyone that whatever they decide is fine was very important. Like, so the communication part of it. Yeah, it's like, okay, you Everyone, we try to explain to everyone why it doesn't make sense to be both a PM and engineering manager, right? I can go into that, but there is like really inherent, uh, you know, different interests. <laughs> you know, you got to execute, but you also have to make sure the product is good enough. What do, you, what do you prioritize? It's like very hard to do both. It's possible. They've done it for a while. It worked, but like it's hard. And, and when communicating why to everyone and then giving them the choice, I think that was a really major part of that. Like, what do you want to do? And we'll figure it out. We'll hire more PMs or engineering managers if we need to or promote from internally. Um, but it went pretty well. Uh, and now it's been about four or five months since the change. I think people really settled in the position and product management became a profession. You know, it's not just a title. You're not promoted to a PM. You're a PM. That's your job. And I think that's something that is very important, specifically around product management, where in different companies it's different things. But a lot of times it feels like everyone can comment on what the product does because it's not a real job. It's kind of like abstract things. Uh, so making it concrete was really important. 
I have this concept that says that I think the biggest gap with product management is most companies get stuck on the first word and forget there's another one. And they expect, you know, product, 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 build a feature, Mm -hmm. design it, figure out how to... It's like, and the second word manager is what defines the good product managers, those that know how to collaborate with the rest of the organization, convey mm-hmm. a message, can, uh, get buy-in from the rest of the organization, understand that, you know, the last thing you need to care about is, is the feature. You should actually care about who's the user, how do you sell it, can you actually make more money, does it make sense from a business mm-hmm. perspective? There's a lot of questions that good product managers think about, not because they care about the feature, but they understand how it lives in a broader ecosystem. Yeah, that that's like an, a problem with product management, right? The word product in product management always says weird because the product manager is not in charge of the product, in my opinion. It's like you're in charge of everything that is not the product. Like, what is the problem? <laughs> what, who is the user? What do they want? What's the use case? Now, the product is important, but that's I, I always feel like that's the easier part. That's from my side. It's like when you understand the problem and you really know what you need to solve, um, then like figuring out how to solve it, it's not trivial, but it's easier. What do you think most product managers get stuck? I'm very opinionated about it, sorry. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I think most PMs have a hard time in jumping between um, like building something to planning a bigger, uh, like understand what the opportunity is to take. Because it's very easy when you have a product, it's very easy to add features to it, mm-hmm. right? It's very easy to come up and we're just doing our planning for 2022 like everyone does. And, you know, I have a 600 uh, spra- uh, line spreadsheet with ideas. Now, for Q1. Nah, it's for, <laughs> uh, for Q1, it's for 2022, but it's, you know, Q1, Q2, then everything else is science fiction. And um, the hard part is going over it and explaining why is this important and what are we not doing? And why are we not doing that? And I feel like the and last the prioritizing part, part, of course, of yeah. the job. And I feel like the last part of what are we not doing is something that a lot of product managers miss. Like, I think in Google, there's a really good culture of you have to kind of prove why we need to keep on working on your product in a way. And like mature PMs sometimes go and say, we don't. We, we reached a place where we got 95% of what we can do and like, let's move it to maintenance. And I really appreciate that. Like when a PM comes to me and tell me they need to deprecate a feature, I'm like, okay, growth. I'm, I'm happy with that because that's a really hard thing to do to say you don't need to do something in your product. Um, so that's like something peop- I, I saw a lot of PMs have a struggle with jumping into this level. Uh, the other thing is kind of making decisions when there's not all of the data. And this is, again, differentiate between junior, mid, or senior PMs, right? Like when you have a, a new PM, it's very easy to make decisions when you have all of the data, right? You've seen all of the data, you know the market, you already have a feature like that, very easy. Uh, what happens when you have to make a decision when you only have partial data or, you know, and when it's a really big bet? What we're doing now in Lightrix, and I can't talk about it, is a really, really big bet. And it w- might crush. And someone had to make a decision to do it, and I'm happy we've made it. Uh, and if it won't work, it won't work, and it, it'll suck. But like you know, I agree. That's where I see. By the way, that's exactly where uh, <laughs> I see most PMs fail. I have this uh, approach on the the multiple steps of uh, how to, what makes a successful PM, and I keep saying that ninety percent of product managers fails when it comes to making a decision, because making a decision is tough. It's like who mm-hmm. owns, who's accountable for the results. And I remember every time you get, it's not about, if it's a feature, it's easy. But if you you want to get into a new vertical, new market, whatever it is, and you send a PM, go research, let's make a decision. And they come back and kind of present, this is what I saw. 
okay, what do you think we should do? And then they threw it back at me. It's like, I don't know. It depends. What, <laughs> what's the strategy? It's like, you know, you're spending two months on this. I'm listening for an hour. What do yeah. you think based on what you saw in the last two months? And, and it's, it's tough because they feel like, what happens if I go wrong? Yeah, it's true. And I, I had this discussion with my uh, user research lead, actually, Corey. And I told her, look, if there's a research that doesn't have recommendations, so let's not do the research, right? It's like, I want you to tell me what you think. Um, it doesn't mean you'll take the decision, right? But I, you're the one that knows most. Tell me what you think I should do. Um, then we'll do it. doesn't mean you do it, but at least you yeah. have her opinion. Yeah, tell me what you think we should do. And you know what? If we take the decision to act on that, that's fine. That's our decision to make together. And I think that's something very important. Like making decisions is is key here. When you go into a room and there's, it's very easy to set another meeting and another meeting and yeah. kind of discuss it. But someone has to take a decision. And, and I feel like with seniority, the less information you ha- you need to make this, this decision. Yep. Obviously, as long as you have all the information, make the right decision based on that, right? But this is like really rare. Most of the time you only have partial data. As you look at your team today and all the decision restructuring mm-hmm. you have in, in almost a year, right? There is a significant war over talent out there today. Um, some of it is FUD, some of it is real, yeah. but obviously there's there's always been a challenge in finding great talent. There's always mm-hmm. scarcity when it comes to talent. Um, you know, talent are looking for, um, sorry, companies are looking for talent for three, four months until they actually hire. Sometimes it's eight or nine mm-hmm. months, depends on the job, and then talent stays for Two years, if you're lucky. Um, the median in Israel is two and a half. Just uh, the median it. overall in tech is about 1.9. Yeah, it so, actually dropped. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. that's so a new data point. It's below, below two years. Um, how do you find talent? How do you yeah. convince them to join Lightrix in Jerusalem? And how do you retain them? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so first of all, let's talk about how do I find talent. Uh, specifically for product management, I'm, as you said, I'm a very involved person in the community, both in product and uh, the ecosystem, like the tech ecosystem. So I know a lot of people. Uh, I tried and helped a lot of people. A lot of people helped me during the years uh, in finding a job or, you know, going over CVs. And I, I build this network. So a lot of time I reach out to my network and ask, I'm hiring a PM for my team. Uh, and like the brand works. I mean, really, like if you hire, create your own personal brand, it really helps. Like when you go to talk in a convention, I talked in a product X last year, which is like the biggest product management mm-hmm. in Israel. Uh, con, uh, in Israel, people get to know you, and then when you approach them and try to hire them, they'll be more likely to reply. So that's like one. Like build your personal brand. This is what I do a lot. Uh, secondly, Lightrix has really like a really cool edge. We're one of the only B two C startups in Israel. Like big B two C startups. When you think about it. There's like uh, Facebook and Google in Israel that does B2C. Uh, there's Get, which kind of, you know, it's they just want IPO, so yeah. it's bad. Um, and there's a few others, but like not a lot of uh, competition for us in the B2C non-gaming world, let's say yeah, that. I, I think we're um, yeah. give you guys a little more credit. I mean, it's not because you're the only ones there. There's more and more. Yeah. Five years ago, I would agree, but now you got you got Lemonade, you got Wix, you got Fiverr. It's like, yeah, all these are B2C companies. They're not startups. Mm. But they're B2C. Yeah, I'm like Lemonade Wix. I mean, I, I wouldn't put them in the same place, right? It's a lot of, it's different. I, I think they're fascinating companies, right? It's not that I think that they're bad. And I I know a lot of PMs there and the big product in Lemonade Gill is awesome. And everyone should go to work for Gill as well. I'll give them a shout out. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a bit different, right? Uh, our end user, when they use the apps, we want them to use the apps 
all the time, right? It's not a one-time create your site. It's not a one-time get an insurance. Taking back to being a manager and being a lead, uh, needing to recruit and to hire and to retain talents at your team, how does it look for you? You know, we're at a time where retaining and actually hiring talents is more and more challenging. And, mm-hmm. you know, the... I'm looking at myself and my career, the time, you know, the, the amount of years that I have been into to a single job or like my path, it is around. Well, Romy, you're going to be 30 this week. You just started your <laughs> career. You're not, you're not, you didn't have a career. I yet. started, just started. <laughs> my career a long time ago, Shachal. Um, some say too early. Um, but how does it look for you? How do, how do you do that? Okay, so hiring and retaining people now in the world and Israel specifically is very hard. Right. There's a big competition, a lot of money flew into the market and everyone needs to deliver on that money, right? With great uh, power comes great expectation. Or I, I changed the phrase and I know it's not the right one. Don't hate them. <laughs> um, and like companies need to deliver really quickly. And the way we do it in Lightrix is we play on a couple of stuff. So first of all, we're a different company in a way, right? We do specific B2C, like creative apps, which is a lot different than other companies in Israel. We do have more B2C than we used to have in the past and a lot of awesome companies, right? But uh, Lightwix is still a unique uh, company there, specifically in the, in the value and the size and like maturity of the apps. Uh, so this really helps us. And from a personal standpoint, I'm a very involved person in the product and high-tech community in Israel. And I think personal brand here really helps because when I publish a job in my team, it helps to say that I'm hiring for my team. And I have a pretty significant network that of people that I helped in the past or they helped me or we work together or we know like people together and kind of building this network through the years really help. And I think this is like the number one tip I can give people, like create your own personal brand. Whenever someone reaches out, try and help them and one day you might hire them or someone they know, right? This is really, really like been a significant part from what I do. And then we do have a lot of challenges, right? Lightrix is Jerusalem-based, which most of our ecosystem is in Tel Aviv or the center region. And we're figuring it out, right? Like everyone else, we do a hybrid model. We have uh, people coming two times a week to the to Jerusalem. I use the train, which is pretty awesome, um, for real, right? I had longer rides to Herzliya sometimes from Tel Aviv. Um, but yeah, we have challenges in hiring people <laughs> like everyone else, right? Uh, from retainment, like retaining people, um, I think what a lot of companies in Lightrix as well are doing now, kind of try and help people grow inside the company. So we have like structured learning and development programs for people, We have management sessions in all different levels, right? I just promoted a few new managers a couple of months ago, and they already have like a management training uh, session. Uh, for myself and senior other VPs and senior management, we have a senior management training for us, which is awesome, right? You always learn more. And we have a 10% program, which each person can kind of choose what they want to do, learn. We try and make it relevant for their day-to-day job, like developers can learn a new language, for instance, PMs can learn a new tool, uh, but we are also open to new things. So I got a marketing product marketing manager that is doing his 10% as a product manager. And I have a product manager that went to do her MBA on the 10% time, right? So she's doing a computer user interaction, which is pretty significant and helpful in this job. And what we saw is like when you give people their... Like Horizon, where they can go. Uh, that's my team's name, Horizon. So it's like <laughs> a pun intended. 
and they actually tend to stay and they want to stay more and they want to learn more and they also teach right this is the other side of that so people that do 10% also train 10% my uh, user research lead Corey she runs a user research 10% course right which is pretty great when you think about it. it's like internal learning not just external learning uh, we got a couple of communication uh, workshops for people uh, we talked about communication right so there's like public speaking that's one but there's also creating great decks or writing amazing emails right and a lot of times those things are kind of what we not used to call everyone still calls them soft skills where you kind of expect people to learn them by themselves mm-hmm. right but it's not easy it takes time it takes experience and it also takes someone to help you right uh, so I feel like those are the main thing we're doing for retention finding how to promote people internally and not just as managers and we still didn't figure it out all the way I'll be honest right we I, th- I don't think anyone other than like the big gunfa teams figured it out but We're working on that. And the other side is the learning and kind of growing inside the company. Do you feel that it changed during like these past two years perspective, you know, mm-hmm. talent perspective on what makes them actually stay at companies? Do you have these conversations, mm-hmm. you know, very yeah, authentic um, conversations with your talents on what will actually make you stay and grow here? I'm, I'm very into this conversation right now. I think one thing that really changed was the whole flexibility thing. Uh, working from home and uh, working hours that fits you. And this is like a personal preference for managers, right? I don't mind. I'm happy with all of my employees to work one hour a week, one hour a week, really, if they get all their job done, right? And obviously, I give them really ambitious goals. And if they can do this in one hour a week, so they have a time travel machine. But um, I'm a big believer of like, get your stuff done. I don't mind how long it took. And there's the other side that claims, and there, I mean, it's a good thing. Uh, claim that being together helps with things that are hard to measure specifically I think there's a lot of research around that uh, for like more junior positions it's very hard to work from afar when you every time you want to ask like a short question it becomes like a thing you have to set a meeting mm-hmm. or you have to kind of butter someone in slack and you can just turn around so there's ups and downs for both and I think what changed a lot is around flexibility People are used to the new flexibility. People created habits. You know, they work out in the morning. They start to work later. They, you know, even just go for lunch outside with friends uh, during the day, which is fine if they get their job done, right? That's kind of like my perspective. And this is not endorsed by Lightrix. I, get, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm talking for myself here. Uh, Lightrix is very flexible. And like a really cool thing that happens in Lightrix, and I didn't notice that before I joined, working in corporates and stuff you always have like those night calls every day you have like 7 p.m and onwards calls not every day but a lot of times and suddenly in Israel not not anywhere yeah well yeah <laughs> in Israel <laughs> trying to fit the world's time zone yeah well in Google I had a team in New York in California and in India right and you try to get a call between all of those people and it's not comfortable for someone and this someone is usually me right and so in Lightrix we don't really have night calls I mean we sometimes do And uh, our VP Corp Dev and Biz Devroni have a lot of them, but that's our job. Uh, but most people don't have those night calls. And I was like, when, when it just happened, it kind of clicked for me that my nights are pretty open because I don't have to schedule things with my wife beforehand because, I mean, it's all open, like, which is pretty awesome. And uh, I talked to our marketing guy about talking about this more. But like, from a work-life balance standpoint, um, flexibility became key. And I think companies that a lot of people will leave companies that won't understand that in my opinion 
And I think we already see that. There's a couple of companies that don't want to say names, but like they force you, uh, their employees to come uh, four or five days a week. And people are leaving them and they have a hard time in recruiting. And I think we'll have to kind of find the sweet spot there, which in sure. my opinion is like, you know, is one side, other people say something else. Yeah, I almost think like, um, I know some of these companies you're referring to as well. And I think um, a lot of companies that haven't figured that out when COVID started, it's almost two years, right? Since mm-hmm. COVID started, so it's not like a fresh thing anymore. And companies that haven't adapted are kind of becoming irrelevant because good talent doesn't come to work there. And then it becomes harder to drawing good talent and then they they become obsolete they will mm-hmm. only get the talent well I, I I don't want to generalize because I know like a few companies that are like have excellent talent they're just a certain type of talent right that are willing to go to the office five days a week uh, I don't see myself going back to the office even four days a week and not just in Jerusalem like in any company yeah. I feel like my life now I don't feel like I work any like less hard uh, but I do feel like the flexibility became you A lot better I can fit more things in my day now. by the way there's endless examples of flexibility creates creativity mm-hmm. and creativity draws in you know better results better yeah. results I mean I do have fun when I come to the office right it's very important to meet people face to face and like I always say that if people only met me in business like meetings they will never know who I am because we have to sit down and have a lo- have lunch together and talk about non-work related things to understand what kind of person I am. And this is super important. Uh, and I, Romy and I just spent the morning talking about coffee shops. Exactly, in San Francisco. Not, not the Amsterdam <laughs> yeah. style, San Francisco coffee shops. And yeah. I'm like, you know, I think it's very important. Uh, and to say I think it's more important than people's flexibility, I'm not sure. But it does have the positive parts of that. And finding the balance is the challenge we'll have to figure out. Everyone will have to figure out. So, Arbel, listen, I asked you like a gazillion <laughs> questions here and kind of push I'm, you to the corner. I really like to talk, as you can. And, <laughs> uh, and we will find another opportunity to, to dive into uh, product management strategy and how to think about that. I really miss that. But kind of, kind of last question for today, um, mm-hmm. something we ask all our interviewers um, at the end. Um, if you had to choose one advice, you know, taking mm-hmm. your last, I don't know, 10, 12 years of career, Um, not as long as the one Romy had, but still he had a long career. So if you, um, you know, if you had to give a, some, you know, tip advice to all the managers out there, um, going through similar challenges as you are going through right now, maybe in product, maybe outside, mm-hmm. you know, what would you, what would that be? So that's a really excellent question. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be very open with my employees. Like you can't say anything, obviously a lot of time you don't know. Right? you just don't know I try to tell them that when I know I tell them I try not to hide anything and having honest conversations a lot of times it's better than kind of waiting until something bursts uh, and it goes both ways it's about great things they're doing it's about things they can improve on uh, I think everyone heard about radical candor right like when someone has <laughs> when someone does something that is not great I tell them right away and I think they appreciate that because we base this trust and respect relationship between us and um, even hard conversations right uh, there's a reorg someone is not acting that well I feel like opening this conversation and being transparent being honest and uh, I mean you Me being a manager doesn't mean I'm perfect, right? And I think that's like a really... It took me time to figure it out, like most product managers. I think we, uh, we start thinking we know everything and then we become where we go and we're like, we don't know anything, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> The uh, imposter syndrome. Yeah, you, you got to be 
I'm, I'm trying to be really open and honest. And I'm trying to hear what people are saying. If they disagree with me, it doesn't mean I'll change my mind, but I want them to feel, not just to feel, I want to really listen to them and to let them know their opinion matters. And, and, it, and it does, right? Um, and I think that's a really important uh, tip. And if I have another one to give, and I just thought about okay, it now. Okay, okay, another sorry, one. Sorry, it's a short one. <laughs> Two tips in one. Yeah, Two tips in one. Is don't be afraid to hire people that are different than you. Uh, they can really balance you a lot of times. Um, I'll add to that. Don't be afraid to hire people that are, that are better than you. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. But, like, uh, everyone are better than me. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, like, people that are different, sometimes I always try and uh, when I interview someone, I try to write down, like, answers and kind of read it la- later and see how would I answer the same question. And I really look for this different state of mind because I already have myself, right? Uh, and I'm trying to find people that think a bit different or have another thing they... Give for I don't have any design background, and now I have a couple of PMs that have like been designers, which is awesome because they bring something to the table that I can never give. I know what I like, I don't know what's good, right? And so that's my other tip for that. I think it's challenging uh, when you hire you know friends of friends of friends and you kind of stay in the same kind of circle mm-hmm. of people that are usually kind of growing the same or were educated in the same, and it's something that mm-hmm. has you have to have a lot of I think guts to actually hire and Welcome to the team or welcome to your mm-hmm. life people that are different with uh, from you of what you learned what you experienced so it's something we actively as a as an ecosystem needs to improve on right like everyone says that yeah. we want to hire everyone and I truly believe people want to hire everyone that fits the job right it's in this day and age in the market if you don't hire someone on like non-objective things you're an idiot in my point my opinion but we do need to work to actively work on that and become better in that in interviewing people and Uh, that are different than you on like reaching out uh, to different groups than your friends uh, like increase the core that is like make the core people more diverse and then they'll reach to their friends which are different than you which is great exactly and it's not a solved problem and I think we as an ecosystem will have to solve because we don't have enough talent right we have an, a problem we don't have enough people get more freelancers freelancers create diversity <laughs> I'm trying I'm getting freelancers as well so you know like shameless play like I'm hiring a bunch of people PMs designers uh, developers of all kinds data analysts like whatever you think you can do if you're awesome talk to me and I'll be happy to take you to the right place so Abel thank you thank you so much it was great having you and as I said we will continue this conversation out all our listeners uh, you can follow us and find out more about our next podcast or follow our on our YouTube channel and website uh, Romy and myself are already excited for our next episode of how I scale my team you